Good morning. Uh, so glad we're here together uh, on this actually beautifully sunny day. Seems like a rarity. Um, I have a question for you this morning. What is the most likely response you will get from a little kid when you swing them around, play peekaboo, push them on the swings, or chase them around the yard, or even read them a book? What's the response you usually get? Do it again, yes, do it again. Kids love repetition. After what seems like 100 times, you are done. But they still say, do it again, right? They've done studies as to why kids love repetition, and it's about the need for certainty. Repetition feeds one of our deepest desires, the desire for instant certainty. Generally speaking, we would rather have the experience now, over and over again, rather than wait for the possibility of it happening in the distant future. Unfortunately, we've learned not to trust others to deliver what they promise in the future. So this leads us, it puts us in a feeling of helplessness when we rely on others and they don't deliver. We would rather grab a smaller, immediate reward through repetition than wait for it to happen again in the future. So for a kid, do it again is about making certain that fun experiences continue. As we grow, we too want this certainty. When we have a good experience on a roller coaster, we hurry up and get back in line. When we have a good experience walking on a beach, we plan to do it again. When we have a good time at a party, we make plans to go to another party. We try to repeat it as often as possible. We are certain that if we do it again, we'll have the same feelings and get that same experience over and over again. Now this happens in church. If you experience God through a song, a sermon, or a scripture, you want to return to it over and over again because you want to be certain that God will show up like he did the first time. But maybe this is why church attendance is in decline. When God doesn't show up in the same way and do it again for us, we tend to get anxious. Then we get bored and then we stop showing up. This is especially true when our prayers go unanswered. When we've been praying for an answer or we've been waiting for God to move or we just want God to do something, anything, and he seems silent and doesn't show up like the last time, we begin to lose that certainty. His delay causes our angst. But what if this desire for instant certainty can work to strengthen our experience of God instead of working against it? What if God uses this desire to bring us closer to him? Are you ready to find out this morning? So would you stand with me as we read uh, Philippians? Would you just read this with me out loud? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Father, we come to you this morning with expectant hearts. We are certainly aware that you have shown us uh, your, your presence in the past. And we wanna be certain of your presence now and in the future. Help us dig into the scripture today, into your word. Help us go after you after your presence, after what you're about to say to us. And so we can respond and it becomes part of the way we we learn from you and we grow in intimacy with you. So be with us in a way that just transforms us and challenges us, thinking in new directions and, and placing our hope in you in a different way. And so we give you this time this morning in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So many of you know, um, I was on sabbatical this summer. I needed to get away and rest, and I wanted God to reveal his plans for my next season of ministry. Um, What should I focus on? What brings me closer to his purposes? And so I planned my first five weeks at home to do just nothing. I actually felt a little guilty, and I kept saying, I'm just doing nothing. And then I planned to spend a month in Peru, and then two weeks traveling with my son. Why Peru? Long story short, God told me to go. Now, one afternoon, the thought of Peru floated through my head. Uh, So I emailed this couple, whom I knew about through a network of my discipleship, um, and I reached out to them and I said, I know you don't know me, but I believe God has directed me to come to Peru for my sabbatical. Can I stay with you? Within 24 hours, they responded with a resounding yes. So instantly, God was answering my prayers, right? No. For the first five weeks at home, God was silent. I figured... Meh, it's just because I was tired. Maybe he's just give it, letting me have my time and just, just get into the groove of the sabbatical. Maybe he was just waiting for me to go to Peru. After all, he told me to go. Now, once I arrived in Chirios, which is a district of Lima of Peru, um, I spent extended time in prayer and walking and worshiping. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was spending a really good time in the morning doing all these things. But after a few weeks in Peru, I realized God was still silent. As the days ticked by, I became more 
and more anxious. And I began to ask him, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? See, I was in the midst of a spiritual battle. God's, delay, God's delayed response and silence made me anxious and caused this uncertainty in me. This morning, scripture said, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, great. Uh, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, I'm doing that. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, waiting, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage comes out of a book uh, called the Philippians and Paul is writing this book from prison. He's writing Ephesians, the book that we've been working through for the armor of God and Philippians. And you can see how his thoughts in Ephesians are translating over into Philippians through this passage because there's these glimpses here that he's talking about the armor of God we've been studying in Ephesians and the, how the armor plays out in, in, for the Philippians. He says, in the peace of God, right? Instantly, we should be reminded of the Ephesians passage where it says, stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. See, certainty brings peace. Certainty brings us this stability and this peace, right? And we usually wanna go after it no matter what. But most of the time when we do, we end up getting it wrong. But God's peace, when we stand in God's peace, when we stand ready and fitted with his feet, ready with this gospel, when we are ready and stand in what God has already said, we are actually being fitted with his armor. And so Paul continues in the peace of God which transcends all understanding. This mirrors that belt of truth that we're supposed to put around our waist, right? God's truth transcends all of our understanding. Lots of times when we go to God with something, when we read something, when we're trying to hear him, we don't always understand what he's saying. But God's truth transcends any of our human knowledge, any of our human understanding. And it's not under our understanding, but his truth that we can be certain of. Because when we rely on our own stuff, our own understanding, again, we go a little crooked. And so Paul says, wearing the armor will guard your hearts and your minds. This is the breastplate of righteousness. In our sermon series, we've been talking about how the ancient Greeks and Romans and Jews thought of the body and, and what the breastplate actually covered. And it was their midsections, their guts. It's how they felt about things, the good things and the bad things. They were directed out of their guts. So this breastplate is also mentioned in 1 Thessalonians and it says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The Greek word that Paul uses to put on the armor actually can be sort of translated to say, sink into. Sink into the armor. 
put it on, clothe oneself. I love the connotation of this word because it's like Paul is telling us to sink in to his righteousness, sink in to his hope and his faith, just like we would sink into a warm, fuzzy blanket as the temperatures begin to drop. Putting on the armor has to do with what we sink into. It's about who we put our faith in and who we love. God's armor is certainly a reflection that the Lord is near. But here's the tricky thing I found out in Peru. When God's silence continued, I was presented with a choice. I could either become more and more uncertain and anxious, or I could allow myself to sink in, sink in to his armor. Now, how many of you have felt God's silence before? Show of hands. Okay. How many of you expect your prayers to be answered within a relatively good amount of time? How many of you still are praying for something that has gone unanswered for quite a while? Right? So you're all, you're all with me, right? Sometimes we allow unanswered prayers or silence from God to become chinks in our armor. These little cracks that allow doubts to come in. When we do, our anxiety builds and we interpret God's silence as uncertainty but maybe we've been looking at it all wrong. Our deepest desire to experience certainty is not necessarily wrong. It's just that our problem is, is that when we don't experience instant certainty, we run after it with everything we have. We panic and we try to make it happen on our own, in our own way, in a way that leads unfortunately, to more and more anxiety about God and about our situation. But this desire for certainty is really a blessing in disguise. This desire drives us to cry out to God. It's funny, it almost feels like the opposite of certainty. This desire drives us to cry out to God, to go after him, to come to the end of ourselves and say, do it again, God. Be near. When God is silent, when our prayers go unanswered, there's this gap that begins to grow. It's the gap between our previous encounters with God. Do you remember when God did this? We can remember when God showed up for this. We know that he answered this, right? There's a gap between that previous experience with God and our desire for God to come to us again. Psalm 23, verse four, describes the gap like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, God sent his only son, Jesus, to bridge this gap. After Jesus' death on the cross, a few of his followers took Jesus' body and laid it in the tomb. And there's really this thing that we gloss over really quick because we're trying to get to the next chapter, but it's between the end of Luke 23 and the beginning of Luke 24. 
Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Did you notice there's this day between Good Friday and Easter? We never talk about it. The church actually calls it Holy Saturday. It's the day between Jesus' death and resurrection. It's when God becomes silent as Jesus laid in the tomb. Can you imagine being the disciples, seeing your Messiah crucified and died and buried in a tomb with all the hopes and dreams you had? And then nothing happens. This time between death until the resurrection. They were alone, they felt abandoned, and they had no idea of their future. Pete Grigg in his book, God on Mute, puts it this way. Holy Saturday seems to me to describe the place in which many of us live much of our lives. Waiting for God to say something, to do something, to make sense of the things we are experiencing. We know that Jesus died for us yesterday. We trust that there may be miracles tomorrow, but what of today? This eternal Sabbath where heaven is silent, where we wonder, is God now? When we are doing battle in the heavenly realms, donning our spiritual armor, we often wonder, where is God now? But scripture tells us God hasn't left us. In fact, this is a very invitation into the life of the Godhead. Jesus, the one who bridged the gap between the grave to resurrection, he's asking us to walk by faith into him, into and with him from death to resurrection. This is our Holy Saturday experience. God's silence and our unanswered prayers are really the re- aren't the results of God abandoning us. Although that's what we first think. We always think, oh, something's wrong with me. I've done something wrong. It must be about what I've done. But it's not about God abandoning us. Instead, this very opportunity is a pathway into the heart of God. See, certainty isn't a feeling, and certainty It doesn't come in an instant. It's a faith muscle. It needs to be exercised. Holy Saturday experiences are God's invitation to experience a deeper intimacy with him, to experience his assurances, and certainly a new way to experience him in a deeper way. This is actually what Jesus calls transformation. Be transformed. I was given this picture while I was on sabbatical of an oyster. And an oyster that grows a pearl uh, does so because it's actually trying to protect itself against attack. You can't see the pearl inside an oyster until it's fully formed. The pearl is hidden under this shell like a grave. And it's revealed only when it's opened. I believe that 
we, when we are experiencing those times of silence or those gaps in our relationship with God or unanswered prayer, he uses them to form this treasure inside of us. He's the only one that knows when it is fully mature and ready. When the time is right, he not only answers our prayers, but we also discover that our spiritual life with him has grown deeper and more intimate. Our desire for certainty is really a catalyst for a deeper walk with the Lord. So today I wanna give you three practices that you can engage in while waiting on God. First, practice his presence. Just practice his presence. Practice writing out what you hear God saying when you spend time with him. Spend time with him. I know sometimes we, when, when people say that, they're like, well, is it five minutes? Is it 30 minutes? Is it five hours? It's whatever it is. When you're coming and you're going, when you're in your car, when you're out of your car, when you're walking up to the front door, when you're leaving the front door, when you rise, when you sleep, when you brush your teeth, when you're showering, where does your mind turn? Practice the presence of God. And when you hear anything, when you hear any whisper, if there's something that's said during a sermon or when you're singing a song of worship and there's just this twinge in a, in a a word that keeps circling around. Maybe it's just a floating thought of whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, and it floats through the, your head. Write it down. Write it down. Practice his presence. When scripture goes through your head, say it out loud. Think about it. Practice it over and over and over again. Sink into it. Make it part of who you are. Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Practice his presence. And when you stand in his presence, your feet are ready for the enemy's attack. Two, practice hope. Practice writing out your prayers. So write them down to see what God has answered, how he's answered, when he's answered, or write them down to find out what you're thinking as the, as the time goes by. Your prayer in June may not be your prayer in July or in September. It might have changed. See and track what God is doing to even change the way you pray and what you're praying for. Write it down because then you can see that there's treasure being formed in you, that there's transformation that's happening inside of you that you may not see. You may not be able to realize it. You can't lift the shell off of it yet to understand it. So keep track. Scripture says, the God of hope fill, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. So practice hope. Practice hoping what you want in prayer. Practice this hope that you're going after. 
And three, practice love. Jesus promises us that he is with us. There's no uncertainty in that. That is certainty. He promises to be with us. Our certainty comes from his promise that he also loves us. Love is our greatest weapon in spiritual warfare. Paul writes this, um, these verses a couple of verses before the verses that we just read, but, um, and then in Ephesians he writes this, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's what's thinking of noble and true. Think about that. Can you grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is? If you practice that kind of love of how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, you're gonna be practicing love. Because to know this love that surpasses knowledge, you will be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. So you may be wondering if God answered my prayer, my sabbatical prayers yet. No. Right, there's still this time, I feel like I'm still in this holy Saturday between death and resurrection. But I have to admit, I've been seeing glimpses of the pearl that he's forming. Glimpses of of prayers that I've asked for for years, just out of the corner of my eye, just this sort of thing that maybe there's something coming. God shows up in other ways, even though he's not answering my prayers or I don't necessarily feel him very presently, he reminds me that he is there. Sometimes it's just somebody walking up to you and saying, good morning, and you just know that God sent that person to you. I've cried out, I've stomped my feet, I've gotten annoyed, I've yelled at him. I'm like, God, why haven't you answered me yet? But what he's been teaching me is that I'm so busy focusing on the thing I want in my prayers that I forgot to be focused on him. And so this is the transformation. It's turning my heart towards him to know him more deeply, not to get the things that I think I need faster, quicker. There are prayers that are being prayed that you may never, ever know the answer to. You may never see what happens. I can tell you, even this week, we have been praying for people to come in to know Jesus, to experience Jesus, to come to know Jesus. We've been praying that for years. And on Wednesday morning, a woman came in to Michelle's Bible study and Michelle assumed she was there for the Bible study because she showed up on time and she had this woman's name down like, Somewhere she remembered it and she said, oh, okay. She sat down, goes through the whole Bible study and the woman says, um, I'd like to accept Jesus. I, I, I was just here for help, but okay. And Michelle literally leads her to the, world, the Lord, tells her the gospel and this woman repents and comes to know Jesus, right? How do you know that our prayers aren't being answered? We see them, but we may not see them directly. I was just like, go girl, that's awesome, right? It's so exciting. 
I've learned so much more about his presence, his hope, and his love as part of his answer outside of the thing that I'm actually praying for. So I encourage you to press in and go on this journey with him. Practice his presence, practice his hope, practice his love. Press in, go after it. Hold on to the certainty that God is with you, even during the gaps of silence and of unanswered prayer. Just keep practicing, saying, do it again, God, do it again.